Hello, everybody. On this episode, we talk about why is there water running in the kitchen? Do you disclose multiple offers? And let's just go for it and buy a house. Hello, everybody. This is Ray, and this is The Real Q&A Show Season 2. And I'm super excited to be doing Season 2. Season 1 had 15 episodes. It was epic. We're going to repost that for you so that you can find all that content. This time, you might notice a little bit difference in the setup. There's two things different, mainly. I mean, we have microphones in front of our faces. So a big reason we're doing that is because we are also going to produce an audio-only version of the show. I wanted the highest quality audio possible, so that's what we're going to be doing here. The second big change is I'm in a (laughs) t-shirt. And it says Pixel Properties. We have started our own real estate company. So we opened uh, February 1st of this year. So we've been super busy, but I am really excited to get back on the bandwagon, shooting more of these episodes, answering more of your questions. So if you have questions, you can either just use the hashtag RealQA, or you can comment on this post or comment on any post. Find us on Facebook, ask a real estate related question, or you might notice from the first season we took kind of real estate related questions and then totally unrelated questions. So whatever you want to ask about business, social, uh, my appearance, which has that was on several episodes, uh, feel free to ask. So without further ado, I want to introduce my guest for the first episode of season two, Steve Fisher. Hey, Steve, Ray. thanks for joining us. Tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. All right. Hey, Ray. I'm glad to be here. I appreciate the opportunity. I'm Steve Fisher. I'm with Highlands Residential Mortgage. I'm the branch manager here in Little Rock, and I love giving people money. That's my job (laughs) every day is to give people money, and um, I love doing it. You know, it's fun, it's challenging, and it's rewarding, Um, and I love to give people money. I've been doing this for a long time. Um, there's not much I hadn't seen or experienced in the in the 22 years that I've been giving people money, right. and every day brings a new challenge, and it's always fun and exciting, and love to get to work with people like you. That's cool. And you you've got some investor experience on your background too, right? Yeah, I've invested yeah. in real estate. I've been involved in real estate beyond just the mortgage lending right. capacity at various different levels over the last 22 years. Cool. So let's get into the show. What's the first question? First question, David Huffman asks on Facebook, is the Texas franchise open yet? David, we're just getting started. (laughs) But that is a common question. We're actually asked a lot. Um, You know, we get to speak at a couple of conferences last year that was a lot of fun. And we got asked by a lot of people, what are you doing? Let us know when. So I'll keep you in mind, let you know when we open a Texas franchise. We do plan on opening other offices. I don't know if they're going to be corporate yet or franchise but I believe we have a successful model. I believe we can change the real estate industry with what we're doing. So uh, thanks for the inquiry, and I'll keep it in mind. What's the next question? Question number two from Facebook. Pete Thorpe, realtor with Cummings & Company, asks, is there a reason that lately most videos showing the kitchen had the water running in the sink? That is a really good question. So videography in real estate is changing really quickly. And one of the things I've noticed also is a lot of videographers are choosing to add motion into their shots. So not only would the uh, kitchen sink be running, but sometimes if a shower has a rain head, you'll see the rain head shower on. Sometimes uh, candles will be flickering. You know, they'll have the candles lit around the living room and stuff like that. That'll be flickering. Fans will be on and they'll be on slow speed. So you get that slow like... I think of a slow-mo helicopter sound, like a whoa, whoa. And they don't have any sound with it, but that's just what I think when I see this slow motion fan going with a little bit of motion blur. 
what I think the intent is behind the videographer and behind the real estate agent, there's, there's a lot of people that just upload photos and make the photo move and they call that a real estate video. And so real estate videographers are trying to differentiate more what they do from those still scenes. And so they're making things run and making things move because it, it catches your eye. Mm-hmm. You know, when you see a house scrolling on Facebook and you see that fan moving or something flickering or some water running, you, it catches you just like it's caught Pete. People kind of want to look at that. And so one, it catches the eye Two, it differentiates it from other real estate videos that are really just kind of glorified slideshows. Interesting. Question number three from Byron Lazine from The Real Word Show and William Revis Real Estate asks, this sounds silly asking, but do you disclose if you have an offer over asking price in a multiple offer situation? That's a really good question. I know Byron knows the answer to this. He actually posed this question to uh, a group of us. And uh, his intent was he couldn't believe that another real estate agent was jumping his case for telling them hey, we have multiple offers and it's already over asking. Uh, So uh, Byron's in a super hot market. He does a great job. He's a fantastic agent. And he's wondering why other realtors don't get that you can do that. So where I come from, I, you know, in Arkansas, we have multiple offer situations, but it's also a delicate situation. So I always tell our agents in a practice that I do is I will disclose the information that the seller gives me permission to. Um, If a seller says, hey, you can go ahead and tell everybody it's multiple offers and yes, that we are over asking then that's what I say. If a seller hasn't given me that permission, then I withhold that information until they have. And the reason is some people, whenever you say, hey, it's a multiple offer situation, some buyers will run away. They don't want to play games. They don't want to try. But uh, maybe you could have just countered their offer. Maybe they were the highest offer. We could have just countered that one offer with what the seller really wanted, and they may have accepted it. Mm -hmm. But instead, I've disclosed that we have multiple offers, and now we really only have one offer left and sometimes when you only have one offer left, guess who that person was? It was like Mr. Lowball. And so I tell the sellers ahead of time, hey, this is a risk. If we tell everybody we have multiple offers, everybody may run away or everybody may stay and they may increase their offer. But it's a risk that the seller needs to know up front. So in short, if the seller gives me permission, I absolutely disclose because as I represent the seller, I'm going to do what they want me to do, mm-hmm. whether it's to drive up the price or whether it's just to get a really good solid offer and let them make the move that they need to make. Cool. Kurt Camphausen with Kurt Productions asks, is it worth it for someone to just go for it and purchase a home with the 3.5% down or wait until I have 20% down? No, they should always wait until they have cash, right, Mr. <laughs> Linder? <laughs> no, so this is a really great question. I want to turn it on you. I'm going to give my opinion. Um, you know, if you can get out of a situation <clears throat> normally that has the uh, mortgage insurance premium and stuff like that, normally that's a pretty good idea. If you can get a conventional mortgage, it's usually more flexible, lower rates, that type of thing. But I know you've done the math on this. So in my opinion, if you are in a rental situation that is really uh, not helpful, if you're throwing away money every month, then it's probably better to go ahead and purchase a home if you find one you really like. If you're not finding a home you like, then you might as well wait. So don't just rush to purchase a house because you're in a rental throwing away money. But if you find a home you like, I would say it's fine purchasing it, especially if you're going to make some improvements or do some changes to it that could also give you more of a return in the future. Another question I would have is how many years are you going to stay there? So if you're going to be there for two years, no. If you're still mobile, young, you don't know where you're going to be, you don't really know where your next job is, I would say don't even make a purchase yet. Just wait until things settle down a little bit, until life settles down a little bit. You kind of know where you want to live, know where you want to be, and then think about the 35 versus the 20%. I think if you can put 20% down, it's a good idea too. Uh, but 
if it's a choice between renting, uh, I mean, I think if you can put 20% down, you should. Mm -hmm. But if it's a choice between renting and a three and a half, I would probably put three and a half down and go ahead and purchase. But what do you say? I would say go for it. You know, to me, if if you are in a spot that you're considering buying versus renting, the opportunity cost of that ownership as opposed to renting over a period of time is huge in real dollars, whether that's over a one-year, two-year, three-year period. The opportunity cost on a $200,000 house in Little Rock, based off what your rental rates are, based off your appreciation, amortization, tax benefit, if any are applicable, is a huge number that you're going to put yourself ahead instead of waiting on that dollar to get there to get to the 20% because you don't have to be at 20%. Right. And I guess the, the other factor that we're currently dealing with is that rates aren't going down. Correct. So the increase in rates is also going to make a bigger difference too, whether you're looking at renting or that three and a half. Absolutely. Your buying power is going to continue to decrease as rates go up and prices go up because as you know, um, there's limited inventory in the market and prices are going up as rates are going up, which dramatically impacts affordability for a first time buyer. Yeah, exactly. Well, good answer. Thanks for jumping in on that one. No problem. So I think that's I think that's the last of the questions. Uh, but did you have one that you wanted to ask? Sure, man. If you could tell me what you think the difference is between real estate brokerages yep. and the way that they manage their agents, work with their agents, support their agents, or how they compensate their agents, and yep. what all that really boils down to and looks like at the end of the day, I'd love to know. So I think I think that's actually closely related to each other. How a brokerage compensates them is also closely related to training materials, things that they receive. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, one, one of my biggest pet fee, pet peeves is when uh, a broker tells their agent, hey, don't discount your prices, don't discount your prices, add value, show your customer that you are super valuable, that you earn what you say uh, you wanna make, right? And then the first thing they do in the recruiting process is say, hey, come to us, we're cheaper. <laughs> well, you just discounted yourself. Like you just did the exact thing you told your agents not Mm -hmm. to do. So every agent should be asking what value is there. And if they're keeping more of their money, what value is missing? And are they okay making up for that value? Because there's great offices that charge, you know, uh, $500 transaction, give you a hundred percent. And when you do the math over a whole bunch of transactions, that $500 can add up. But you know, you're getting 100% of your commissions minus the $500 transaction fee. Mm-hmm. And they may be a fantastic office, they may have good people, good training, but as an agent, you have to also ask, what is that brokerage not doing for me that maybe I could get elsewhere? Then if you're at a brokerage that charges like 60, 40, and you're only keeping 40, then what services are they providing? And are those services worth the extra money you're giving up? And that, in my opinion, is how agents start evaluating those things. Is there value there? And if there's value there, are you willing to pay it? If there's not the value there, then are you willing to come out of pocket to make up for that value that's missing? You know, if they're not doing the marketing for you, if they're not doing videos for you, if they're not putting you out there in front of your customers or helping your customers get in front of the right buyers, if they're not doing those things for you, then you should be keeping more of your money. Mm-hmm. If they are doing those things for you, then they should be taking more of your money. But the question is, is it worth it? And if the agent asks that, I think, I, I think they'll be on the right track. Cool. Yeah. Thanks for the question. No problem, good man. Well, thanks for joining us on the show. Uh, Thanks so much, guys, uh, for tuning in. Like I said, if you have any questions, please comment on the post. You can also use a hashtag, RealQA. We'll get your questions into another show coming up. So we'll see you. Thanks. Yeah.